Now rocking with the best. Only two things can get you through this, man. Patience and persistence. Work harder than everyone. Be patient and just know that if you're gonna do something on your own, you're gonna have to feel some pain. You're only the boss if you put up your own money. If you don't put up your own money, I don't care how much somebody gives you. You're nothing but a supervisor. It's not yours. It, it takes fearlessness to be first. You know, to not move with a crowd, to move alone. I stopped living according to what people wanted me to do. I started living according to what actually made me happy. If you're not happy, change your life. Allow me to reintroduce myself. The Culture Talks Podcast with your host, Carlos Stutzer. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. This is your boy, C-I-Z-Z-Y, live action, Kansas City, Missouri, and we are back with another episode. Matter of fact, we are back with episode 84, and for for everyone that's been rocking with me since episode one, all the way to 84, I love you. I appreciate you. Shout out to you. Thank you for supporting from one to 84. It's been a long journey, and I'm glad that on episode 84, I've decided to once again, just like I say every week, bring on a dope guest. And today's dope guest is Mark Edwards. <laughs> Go ahead and introduce yourself, my brother. Tell them, tell them about you. Tell them where you're from. Tell them what you do. Say what's up to the people. What up, folks? Yes, Mark Edwards, Mark the KC Realtor. Um, that's what my go-by name is, alias, all that good stuff. Um, yeah, I'm from Kansas City, Missouri, born and raised. And I'm here to bless the podcast. Appreciate you having me on, my man. Absolutely. Absolutely. So like you said, you're a Kansas City realtor. You are Kansas City born and raised. Um, Let's jump into the early history of Mark Edwards. So what part of town did you grow up in? What was like early life? Like, were you into sports? Were you into music? What were your early interests? Let's let's start with young Mark, 14-year-old Mark. What was life looking like for you? 14 man yeah 14 shoot I, I was in everything man yes I, I played a lot of sports um so yeah 14 man I was you know like everybody else little knucklehead running around and, and trying to get on the basketball team you know what I mean so yes, sir wasn't even thinking about real estate or none of that at that that period of time you know what I mean but yeah I'm from Kansas City grew up down off of 23rd Van Braun, you know I, I lived in you know in the hood you know Grew up off of Cyprus. I mean, we moved around a lot when I was little. Um, but yeah, definitely, man. I love it, man. I'm from KC, born and raised, and, and that's what I do. So I help my people in KC find properties, buy, sell, invest, do a little, you know, everything when it comes to real estate. So hell yeah, hell yeah. And on on the on the on the offside that you don't talk about too much, but that I know from just, you know, being able to meet with coffee with you before and stuff. You also have some experience in the healthcare industry as well. So can you talk about like, you know, you go through high school, you decide to go to, what, what is it, Fort Hayes? Did you go to Fort Hayes? Nice. Fort Hayes State. Yeah. So what did you study there? And then how did you end up in the healthcare world? And, and then from there, you know, how did you transition into the real estate industry? Well, that's a long story. I'm trying to tell it. Tell it, Mark. You know what I mean? But uh, yeah, by the way, you know, about three, four different colleges, you know what I mean? I I ended up getting me a nursing degree. Um, But when I was at Fort Hayes State, honestly, I was there for business. Um, You know, first major was computer sciences. I did JUCO, junior college football, independence community. And then said, nope, you know how we do when you're young, switch that major. So, okay, I'm going to do business. Nope. Got down there for a haze, and I had a family friend that introduced me to taking care of people that were disabled, uh, mentally challenged, mentally disabled. And so I started doing that for a while, ended up being a manager of a couple homes. And then they said, you know, hey, we'll pay for your CNA, CMA, all this good stuff. So I was like, all right, did that. And next thing you know, it just grew on me. Before you know it, I was working with CNA in a hospital. We moved to Topeka. So I was out in Topeka for a while, worked at the hospital and, you know, all the uh, CNA or all the nurses that I worked for used to come tell me like, hey, you know, you're going to nursing school. And I even had patients that used to say, hey, you know, are you in nursing school? You're, do- you're good at what you do. And that's when, it, you know, that popped off in my head. I said, like, OK, maybe I can do this, you know, so went to school, man. I went to uh, Washburn, got my, you know, my LPN, got licensed. And soon as I got licensed, the whole plan was 
I'm out of here. I'm going to KC. I'm going back home. Moved back to KC. And, you know, I ain't stopped since, man. Um, I don't tell people I still do nursing, obviously, because I, I keep my license active, but I still do nursing, you know, once or twice, you know, a week or something like that, because uh, I still enjoy helping. So that's what I do. But yeah, so I've been doing healthcare probably 15, 17 years. And so it just stuck with me. But, you know, I just started getting that real estate bug. And, you know, I said, hey, the COVID started. And everything started getting crazy, as you know. And so I'm like, no, nah, let me try to transition and put that to the side a little bit and start focusing on more of this real estate thing. Because when I was doing nursing, I wasn't getting to where I wanted to be um, financially. And then, as everybody knows, it's stressful. So, you know, with all the stress and everything, I said, no, nah, I need a break, took a break, and, you know, started diving into real estate. So here I am today, been licensed for about three years and, and love it. You know, started out wholesaling and, and jumped right in and ain't moved back since. I love it. And can we kind of talk about some of like maybe the um, character traits you built upon or the skills or qualities that you learned or acquired during your time in the healthcare industry that you've been able to apply or, you know, certain principles or behaviors that you've been able to apply to your time in the real estate industry? Yeah, definitely. I, I think they kind of go hand in hand. I mean, even though they're different, but it's still customer service based. A lot of people look at nursing, they don't think it's customer service. It is customer service based. We got to take care of our patients. So with that being said, I just try to take that from what I've learned in my customer service, taking care of people and translate it into real estate. You're still taking care of people. And so I, I learned in nursing, it's the little things that make people happy or you know, make them remember you, you know, so like they say, it's how you make people feel. So that's what I try to do in real estate. And I just try to make sure I pay attention to those small details, things like that. And just being compassionate, you know, empathy, showing that you care. And then on top of that, being patient, you know, you, you got to have some patience in this game as well. So no, I just try to take all that and, and wrap it up and put it into, uh, you know, real estate. Love it. I love it. And you mentioned that, you know, you've had your license for three years, but you started off in wholesaling. So when you started off with wholesaling, a lot of people, you know, a lot of young kids out there that might be listening to this podcast might have looked up, you know, what wholesaling is, what is required to be a wholesaler. And there's this constant argument that, oh, you should get your license or you shouldn't get your license. So what are your thoughts on that? Did you have your license before you started jumping into wholesaling? Uh, did, uh, did you not have your license? What are your thoughts on people that are coming up right now? Should they acquire their license before getting into that game? Or yeah, just share some of your insights on wholesaling and maybe what you would suggest young people start doing now to prepare themselves for the future when they jump into the game. Yeah, man, um, wholesaling, it's, it's, it's a rough little game, man, especially starting out. And, you know, a lot of people see the stuff on YouTube and videos, and they think it's glamorous, it's easy, and they got checks coming in, and they don't realize the hustle. And for me, I'm like, oh, I can hustle. I'm going to do it. It's no problem. I'm a hustler. I can do this. And, and, and it's, a, it's a rough hustle. Um, getting in first, no, I was not licensed. I just started reading more books. I just started reading and tapping in. Uh, I went to a forum called Bigger Pockets. Um, anybody that's interested in, in real estate or investing, I would recommend going to that forum. It's called biggerpockets.com. And I get business from Bigger Pockets and I learn so much. They give out so much valuable information and stuff like that. So, yeah, I just started reading books. And, you know, eventually, you know, they say there's that analysis paralysis where you're just reading and trying to learn. And eventually I was like, look, it's just time to jump in. And I jumped and I was like, okay, started putting out ads and started putting out banded signs and said, I'm just going to go for it. You know, got t-shirts made, like, hey, I'm going to start marketing and jumped in and I did it for a little while and it was okay, but I didn't realize how difficult it was. Um, took me about four to six months to get my first deal. Um, and, and it's rough and, and it's all about communication and it's all about follow-up and it's all about consistency. So, you know, those are the things that I say is important when you're doing wholesaling. I mean, you've you got to follow up. That's number one. And then number two, yeah, you've got to be consistent with your marketing. And, you know, you've you got to be patient, have that faith, and you got to have a little hustle in because it is a grind. And can you kind of explain to people who maybe haven't looked into wholesaling, like, how do you make money in wholesaling? What does that look like? Like, what exactly does that even mean? And, yeah, let's start there. Well, wholesaling pretty much what it is, is you're 
reaching out to these distressed properties or sellers. And that's the thing too. It doesn't necessarily have to be a distressed property. It could just be a seller that's looking to sell and they just want to sell fast or whatever the case may be. They don't want to use a realtor. So you approach them and say, Hey, I'll give you a cash offer or I work with investors um, and I'm going to bring in an end buyer to help ease your stress and your pain. And we'll take this off your hands. And that way you don't have to worry about any realtor fees or anything like that. And hopefully it's a stressful process, you know? And so the way you make money is yes, you get the house under a contract at an agreed price, say it's a house for 75,000, whatever, right? So you got an agreed price at 75, but you know, after repair value, or you know, it's gonna, you know, bring in about 150 or 200, then yeah. So then you have a spread there. So then what you do is you just go find that buyer, that end buyer that's gonna go ahead and pay a little bit extra and what you have it agreed for. So say we have it agreed for 75, most people are looking for at least five grand. So you're like, all right, I want 5K, so they might list it for 85. Get down to that number that you want of 80. See what I'm saying? So, and then you get that spread that's in between. So you would get that 5K or the 8K, whatever that price or that spread is in between, you get the difference. And it's called an assignment fee. So pretty much it's the end buyer who's the end flipper who's going to rehab it, fix it up, and either just rent it out or they're going to sell it. Is the end buyer. He's the one that's actually purchasing the property. And you're just the guy that has the assignment contract. You're signing that contract to this end buyer. And pretty much it's like, well, he's paying you five grand for that contract. Um, so, you know, you got wholesalers that make two grand and you got some that are making 10, 15 per deal. Um, but it's all about reaching out to these distressed sellers. And uh, it's definitely a way to make some money, uh, you know, in my opinion, it is. And it's a lot, you know, attractive to people. It is very attractive starting out. Um, but I just want to, like I said, caution people that it is very rough um, starting out. And it does take a lot of hard work. Um, but, yeah, and that's what got me really wanting to be an agent was I just wanted to learn more. And, and then I'll, not only on top of that, I, you know, you go out and you reach, reach out to these sellers and you talk to them and then they look they ask you, are you licensed? And they look at you like some, some of them do, like maybe this guy don't know what he's talking about. Especially being a person of color, you're out here, you're going to go talk to these Caucasians and you know, all these other different ethnicities and they look at you and that's the first thing they think is, okay, this dude's trying to hustle me or he's trying to scam me and get over. So you have to have that, you know, confidence like, hey, I'm gonna do what I say I'm gonna do. And so you gotta have that, that with you, you know what I mean? You gotta have that faith, you gotta have that confidence and show them like, hey, no, this is what we do. I do it all the time. And so for me, um, just establishing that, that I know what I'm talking about, I was like, okay, I'm gonna get licensed. You know, that way I can say, yes, I've actually learned a little bit. I know what I'm talking about. So you get that credibility, so to speak. And when, and when you did get your license, did you stay, you know, focused on wholesaling or did you start to transition into, you know, trying to do the, uh, more traditional route where you're going in and you're helping people find their dream new home or their first time home buyers, or did you stay in the, the wholesaling range or did you play around in both fields? Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, actually, that's pretty much what happened. I pretty much just was like, I want to learn this real estate side of the game as well as being an agent. And so I was like, you know what, I can probably make a career out of this. So why not? And it was by happenstance that you know, that I kind of stopped wholesaling. Um, I jumped back in recently. Um, but no, I really wanted to try to learn the craft of being an agent, um, which, you know, you're still learning. Um, you know, there's always something that you can learn in real estate. So, um, yeah, no, I, I still do a little wholesaling here and there. You know, when I approach sellers, hey, I might list your home and if they don't want to use a realtor or if it's in, in a condition to where it might not be very appealing to the MLS, it's like, hey, well, maybe you can just sell this off market. And then uh, we can just wholesale this and you get the number that you want. Um, so, but no, I, you know, I, I said, I'm going to do everything when it comes to real estate. You know, you can wholesale property management. You can do leasing. You can, I mean, there's so many things that you can do. You can get in commercial. You don't have to be just residential. And so, yeah, I'm just trying to take it one step at a time. And I'm like, okay, I'm just going to hone my craft of being an agent. And then I'll get back into the other things. You know, I try to do one thing at a time. And you, you know, especially in real estate, you got things jumping at you and you got so much content, you can kind of get scatterbrained and like, oh, let me try this. Oh, let me try that. And yeah, and that's when you get in trouble. So I just try to try to take it, you know, slow. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely am a, a trier. I'll be trying all the time, try different marketing techniques, you know, different way approach sellers. 
how do you talk to people? You know, it's a psychology. You know, it's it's a psychology game as well. Yeah, and can you jump into that right there? Like, how do you approach sellers? Because you know, it's it's one thing to get your real estate license, but a lot of people are like, okay, I got it. What am I supposed to do now? Um, so, how are you approaching sellers? Um, or how are you approaching people who are looking to buy? I know you kind of play around on both fields. I know you help a lot of first time home buyers and I know you also help people sell. So how are you finding, um, how are you finding these people? You know, once you get your license and you've learned a little bit of the foundation about the game, like, are you going in there? Are you working for a company that gives you leads? Are you going out there? Are you having to go door to door? Like, what does that look like for somebody who's just jumping into the game? Yeah, man, it's, it's like I said, it's it, real estate agent is, is a hustle as well. And that's the thing. They don't teach you that. They say, hey, we're going to get you a license. And if you're out the door, you're ready to go. And man, they throw you out there to the wolves. So you got to kind of be fast with it. You got to learn. And yeah, man, you got to adapt. And so for me, I build it up off the relationships I have from wholesaling, a bunch of investors. So I was like, well, that's going to be my niche. Me, I wanted myself, I want to get into investing. And so what's the best way to learn than by helping investors acquire properties? So the way I be finding clients is for one, like I said, I go to bigger pockets, you know, I'll comment, give information and try to help these other investors when they have questions about investing out of state, or you can get on there and blog, just blog about what you're doing with your business or whatnot. Um, but the easiest way is to tap into your sphere. People that you know, obviously, because they have to like, know you and trust you. So family, family and friends, you just reach out to family and friends, say, hey, I'm new to real estate. This is what I'm doing now. Hey, let's sit down and have a conversation to see if there's anything I can do to help you out. Um, if you're interested in just knowing about the market or you are interested in possibly selling your home or buying one, let's sit down and have coffee or, you know, just meet for lunch. And so, yeah, that's how you slowly start building up your clientele, building up your database. You know, you got to have a database to where you're reaching out to these clients, touching them often on a regular basis, just staying in front of people. So for me, I've just been trying to use social media as much as possible, um, just trying to let people know what I do and stand in front of people. And um, if you're on any of my social media pages, I do not say anything about nursing anymore. Um, at first I started out talking about it and it's like, no, I don't want people to even see me as a nurse anymore. I want them to see me as a realtor that's gonna help them. So I kind of, you know, distanced myself from that to where, yeah, now everything I post, it's, it's just real estate content. Um, just educating people, let them know that you know what you're talking about. And so, yeah, like I said, just gaining people's trust is the biggest thing. Gaining people's trust. And do you think that there's, there's a lot of value in starting to work for a brokerage when you become a licensed real estate agent? Or do you think that you know, there might be bigger benefits just starting out trying to hustle on your own, using social, going door to door, like connecting yeah. that way. What do you, what is your opinion on going either direction? Yeah. Well, for one, you have to put your license underneath the broker. Um, automatic. So you have to, um, no matter no, no, if and buts about it, unless you have your broker's license, you have to hang your hat somewhere at some brokerage. So then you have to interview brokerages which was weird and interesting to me as well. It's like, you know, it's like a job interview, but instead of them interviewing, you, you know, you, you're interviewing them like, Hey, what can you provide me? What kind of training do you provide? What type of assistance? Like you said, do you provide leads? And then it's like, okay, what is this going to cost me? Because people don't realize how much realtors pay in fees every month or every year. You know, we got to pay our realtor fees, we got to pay our broker fees, our office fees, you know, so they do add up. So you got to factor that in as well. Some people factor in office location, you know, do you want to drive 30 minutes to your office or would you want something close? Um, but at the end of the day, you want to get a broker that cares and somebody that's going to support you. Not necessarily they're going to give you leads because they can give you leads all day, but if they're not helping you convert these leads, what are those leads going to do for you? So, you know, then that's how I pick my brokerage. But my very first brokerage I picked was way up north. And yeah, I was driving 30 minutes almost to the office. Um, but that was for the commission split. And then you realize the training wasn't as good as you needed when you first started out. So I'm like, no. And so I jumped in with the big boys, uh, with Remax, but also it was a plus. The office is five minutes from the house. So it's a plus. It's been a win-win. But yeah, when I started out, I door, I door knocked. I certainly did. You know, you do open houses, you door knock around the neighborhood introduce yourself, things like that. You can do mailers, sending out mail. Obviously that costs. 
And so that's the thing. People don't realize that, you know, you are your own business. So you have to market yourself. You have to brand yourself. And, you know, you can get with some brokerages that'll give you leads, but they're going to, you know, you're going to have to pay 50% most likely. So every lead you convert, you're going to have to give them some money. So um, I do have an agent in my office that provides me with Zillow leads um, to where, you know, I do have some leads that come in, but, you know, converting Zillow leads are tough. You know, you only convert like 0.4%, or 4% is rough. So you got to stay on them. You got to follow up because half the calls you get, it's not even what you're looking for. And then they're on to the next one. So yeah, you just got to stay up and follow up is, is the main important thing is just following up. You know, they say the strength is in the follow up, you know, so. Right. And, and, and with that being said, you know, like when you follow up or when you have your first conversation with the potential league, you have to qualify them. So what do like what do potential first time home buyers need to know about the process? Like, what do they need to come to you with before they're asking for a real estate agent, before they're requesting for a call or a consultation or coming to see an open house? What do they need to have ready? Like, do they need to have a, a paper that shows their credit score? Do they need to what did, how, how long do they need to be working a job? Like, what does that look like? How does the process look like for a first time home buyer when they're working with you or when they when they call you like? Yeah, they, they just reach out and say, hey, like I had some client or somebody just reached out the other day. And most of the time, yeah, they say, hey, I want to buy a house, but they have no idea what it takes to get into one. And so I was telling them the first things first is credit. You know, what's your credit looking like? You know, that's first things first. You're not going to be able to buy a home without decent credit. So I tell my clients to get your credit right. You know, credit is king. People say cash is king, but I'm like, no, that's the queen. Credit is king because if you got credit, they can give you all the cash and they're giving money out right now at super low interest rates. So I just tell them, get your credit right. When your credit's right, there's only three things that you need. That's what I tell everybody. You need a decent credit score of at least 580, two years job history, and then two years rental history. And that's all I tell everybody. I'm like, if you got two years that you've been on a job, you're good. You got the 580, which is the bare minimum. But if you got that, you're, you're decent. There's lenders out there that will give you a loan. And then also, yeah, if you got decent rental history, you can probably get yourself into a home. Um, but then also people don't realize that you will need a little bit of money up front as well, um, you know, possibly for a down payment. You, you got to pay for an inspection. You got to pay for an appraisal. And it's like those little things that people aren't aware of. Um, they just think that, okay, maybe I can get a down payment. They don't realize that they need to pay for an inspection, pay for appraisal. So and that can be a little, little fine. I mean, a little fee, you know, about a grand that's coming out of your pocket. So I just tell all my clients, make sure you got your ducks in a row. And in this busy market, you you have to have a pre-approval. I mean, it's just, there's no, there's, you're just wasting everybody's time if you don't have a pre-approval. So I get them in the door. If they're not ready, I send them to credit repair so they can get their credit right. And then when the credit repair people let me know, they update me, say, hey, this client is ready. And then we, we get it going. I send them to a lender, they get the pre-approval and then we're out looking for homes. And it is a process. And so I tell everybody too, to be patient. Um, you know, there's, you can get your credit fixed in a month, two months, depending on where it's at. Sometimes it could make, it could take six months, but I'm like, be patient, you'll get there at the end of the day. And so that's what I tell all my clients at the end of the day, you know, you'll get there. You just gotta be patient and trust the process, you know? So, so, so if somebody's coming in, they got a 580 credit score. And they've been renting an apartment in downtown Kansas City for two years. And they've had a job for four years straight, never quit, no lows in their employment. They're in a pretty good place to at least start the process of looking for a home. Is that correct? Correct. Awesome. And on the flip side, just, just kind of confirming what you said, on the flip side, if they come in with a 580 credit score, but they've never rented something before, and they've and they've been in and out of a job every three months, they're switching jobs. Now their chances of getting a home are kind of dropping exponentially. Is that correct as well? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, because these lenders, they like to see that you can at least afford your rent before they give you a loan to actually have a mortgage. So you just want to make sure you're paying your rent on time. Make sure you ain't got no delinquencies, you know, no evictions, things like that. Um, you know, but also with the job, there's a way around the job though. If you're in the same field, that qualifies you. So say, yeah, if you're a nurse or a CNA or something like that, and yeah, because CNAs, they might change jobs. But if you're in the same field, then it qualifies you. Or say you get a new job, but that job pays more than what you were making. 
sometimes that'll help you as well because you know you, they know you just got a raise so that helps also um, but you really want to be about 620 580 is the entry level it'll get you where you probably want to be it'll get you into a home but when you get to 620 or 640 that's when all the doors open up and you can get down payment assistance and all that good stuff to where you might not you might be able to get into a home with a little bit of thousand bucks because they're mm. going to do all that for you for having good credit got you and by pre-approval, when you said, like, especially in this market where things are going, they're flying off market, people are busy, you're saying it's best to just come to the agent with a pre-approval already. So does it, what, what does that really mean for people out there who don't know what that means? Does that mean they have to go to a mortgage guy or a mortgage office and talk to somebody? What does it mean to get a pre-approval? Honestly, uh, it just means you got to talk to a lender. And yeah, they'll... they'll do a brief synopsis of your or summary of your, your credit your credit history um and then they'll just give you a pre-qualification they might say hey well i'm pre-qualified for maybe a certain amount and that's where people get confused and they say well i'm pre-qualified well there's a difference between being pre-qualified and being pre-approved if you didn't give any w-2s or submit any documents you're not pre-approved so once you give them your w-2s and your tax returns for the last two years They'll run it all within 24 hours. They get back with you and they'll say yay or nay. But I also want to stress though, you know, I tell everybody, you don't have to be pre-approved, you know, to come talk to an agent. I think I'll, I'll be, honestly, that's the first step is talking to a realtor, whether you talk to me or not, talk to a realtor. They will guide you and give you the right information you need to get where you need to be if they're a good realtor. So, and they'll be patient with you and they'll stick with you. Um, Cause yeah, sometimes it might take a year. I had a client that I worked with for about a year and a half, but we finally got her into a home. Um, but yeah, you just got to trust the process, but no, definitely. I, I, you don't have to have a pre-approval um, to go talk to a realtor, but if you're thinking about buying a home or investing or something, yeah, call a realtor and pick their brain, ask questions, you know, see where you are in your situation and, you know, see how they can help. So no, I just recommend anybody just talking to one first. I mean, regardless if they're pre-qualified, pre-approved, you know, just get the process started. I love it. I love it. And for this question, it can be in the real estate industry or it can just be um, in your general life. But what's something new that's on the horizon? It could be cryptocurrency. It could be NFTs. It could be a certain type of real estate investing. It could be a certain sport. It could be anything. What's something that's on the horizon right now that you've been experimenting with? Me, I've been experimenting with, um, you know, I try to stay in my lane. Um, but as far as real estate goes, uh, I've been, you know, experimenting with property management. Um, you know, I work with out of, a lot of out-of-state investors as well. And, you know, I'm always referring out property management. And so um, I've been learning um, just from observing and conversations and networking that a lot of people that are really successful in this business, they streamline everything. You know, they might have, you know, their wife's their person that does their admin work, does all the paperwork, and they're the realtor. Or they might have a, a more, they might get their mortgage loan officer, you know, number. So they get certified in that to where they can write your loans and they can help you buy a house. You know what I mean? So where I was like, well, how about I do the same thing and just streamline it to where once I, you know, if they already trust me to buy a property out of state, then why not trust me manager for you? And so it's just another way to get more income and, you know, to keep my clients happy as, you know, I don't want to refer them to another property management company that's not going to take care of them when I know I can do the same thing. And so I've just been learning, um, just trying to learn more about that, learning about the leasing and the whole property management game and uh, just trying to get that going as well. And uh, that's that's what's new for me on the horizon is property management and uh, just doing more investing, you know, myself as well. So now nah, that's what I'm looking forward to here coming up in this new year, 22, since we hit in the fourth quarter, you know, we running out of time for 21. So I, I'm really just starting to try to plan and get ready for the next year, man. And you know, that's it. what you gotta do. You gotta plan. You gotta plan. I love it. You gotta prepare a year ahead of time. That's why that's why I love to hear from some of my mentors. They're like, I already planned for 2022 and 2021. When I enter 2022, I already know my goals, I already know the process, I know everything I'm doing before that time comes. So I think that's something that a lot of the listeners can take, you know, you know, take heed to and really get active on. So I love that. What is, you know, uh, I don't know if you're currently actively investing right now or if you plan on it, or I'm sure you plan on it in the future, but what's kind of like in your head right now, your investment thesis? Are you interested in multi-family multi investing? Are you looking in buy and holding? Are you looking to flip? Like what is, what is your, what does your future in real estate look like outside of just being 
not just being, because that's awesome too, but outside of being an agent? Investing. Um, you hit it on the nail. Um, obviously, because, you know, us agents, you know, there's no 401k, you know, some offices may provide it, but, you know, for the most part, there is no retirement. So you got to bust your butt and save. But I also, what I tell everybody is practice what we preach. We sit out here talking about buying properties and, you know, accumulating wealth and things like that. So we got to start doing the same things. Successful agents, they do invest themselves. I've learned that also. Um, and so, yeah, that's what I'm looking for to me. My biggest thing is buying and holding, um, you know, because there's a lot of things out here like that you can do. Like you said, there's flipping, there's wholesaling, there's all types of things you can do. But I don't, in my opinion, I don't think they're sustainable, in my opinion, you know, because you can wholesale, you're going to get some nice checks coming in, but you got to keep it going to get that nice check. And at the end of the day, most people, when they get into real estate, what do they want? They want passive income. And being a wholesaler is far from being passive. You got to work to get that income. And so then once you stop working, if you don't build a team, you know, then yeah, you're going to always be working for that next wholesale deal. But you got successful wholesalers out here that are building teams to where, yes, then they can step aside and start being, you know, more passive. But it's rough, you know, to try to sustain that. And then same thing with flipping. It's the continuous, I got to go find another flip. People don't realize you got to pay the taxes once you flip it, pay these capital gains. And so then they get to a point to where I got to go find another property in order just to make sure I can stay afloat and keep going. So, you know, flipping, it's a good way to make some money as well. And, you know, I don't mind, you know, I plan on maybe getting into doing maybe one or two flips a year or something like that. But for me, it's all about buy and hold um, single families and I want to get into some small multifamily as well, some duplexes, and fourplexes, things like that. But all about acquiring passive income. So for me, I want to acquire some rentals. You know, I got goals to leave my kids at least three, four properties each. That's one of my goals. Um, and so, yeah, and that way I want to set my kids up for success as well. They don't have to worry about going to go rent or buy from anybody else. They can come to me. This is a property that they can leverage. You know, when they get older, hey, this is yours. You can buy it. You can sell it. You can pull equity out. There's things that you can do. And so I want to do that for my kids. So I set them up you know, to where they can be successful. And that's what we need to do too as well as, you know, for these children, you know what I mean? So now I'm trying to get that passive income. I'm trying to acquire properties. I love it. I love it. And for those people out there who are looking to do the same thing, who are some people that you suggest like newbies, like straight, straight newbies that don't really know much about real estate at all, don't know anything about um, any of it? Who are you where are you sending people to learn more? I know you mentioned bigger pockets at the beginning of this conversation, and I agree. Matter of fact, ladies and gentlemen, that is actually how me and Mark Edwards actually got together for Kai for the first time. I found him on there in the Kansas City uh, real estate uh, real estate agents, um, you know, market it, list out different agents for different cities. So I found him there, shot him an email, and we ended up grabbing some coffee at Panera Bread, and we've been maintaining a friendship here for about a year and a half now, maybe two. So um so definitely suggest people to hop on there um but where else where else can people find resources is there anybody that you really think is so good at explaining investing or a specific type of investing that you'd suggest people to buy a book from or watch a video of yeah yeah definitely um like you said bigger pockets and, I, and I, honestly i forgot that is how we met <laughs> but you're absolutely right um but uh see folks networking you know just getting out there putting yourself out there um, but no, like I said, Bigger Pockets with Brandon Turner and David Green. Um, they both got books out. Um, look them up for sure, because Brandon Turner and Dave, they're gonna they're gonna explain it and break everything down for you. So definitely, you know, reach out to them. Um, but as you've had, you know, previous guests on here that have already said, you know, the, the Think and Grow Rich, you know, by Napoleon. And then you got, because I, I got it behind me, matter of fact, I got one of Brandon Turner's books behind me. Like, so you gotta start surrounding yourself with, with this information. Um, but then, of course, you know, you got all the people that say Robert Kiyosaki's book, you know, people always say that that was the book that got them going, um, you know, and I'm not gonna lie, when I read the book, it was one of the things that was eye opener to me. Um, and I mean, there's tons of people out here, I just say find somebody that you feel comfortable with, and that you kind of gravitate to whoever piques your interest, you know, dive into it, as long as you see that they're successful, and they're not trying to give you some scam where like, oh, well, come and pay five grand to hear me talk or something like that, you know, it's definitely profitable. But and don't necessarily, you know, 
push them to the side either because you can go to some of these events and yeah, you're gonna have to pay because you can learn a lot of information as well going to some of these events and networking as well. So I've learned that too. Like, don't be afraid to pay. Just make sure you're paying the right people. Um, but yeah, if you're trying to get into wholesaling, check out Max Maxwell. He's got tons of content out. He's from North Carolina. He does a lot. And um, yeah, he, he's, he's dope at, at the wholesale game. Um, but yeah, there's so many out there. There's plenty. Um, people in Kansas City that want to you know, reach out to people here. There's a lot of local people here that are killing it in the game as well, um, wholesaling. And I mean, they, they got Nathan Brooks over there with the bridge and things he's doing with turnkey properties and things like that. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of people that you can reach out to. I would say just start networking. And for people that are local that are in Kansas City, we got many networking groups. There's plenty of them out there that you can reach out to. They have monthly meetups. There's the MARI, um, which is the Midwest Association of Real Estate Investors. They meet out in Overland Park. Um, you know, COVID changed things, so they started doing more Zooms. But there's tons of, you know, groups, investment groups. Get on Facebook. Look them up. You know, because there is tons of out there, tons of content. Get on YouTube. Start learning. Um, you know, how a lot of people do a YouTube university. Um, but yeah, that's what I recommend is start reading and picking up these books. And honestly, since I got into real estate, that's one thing it's helped me grow and helped me learn as, as I read more um, since I got into it, just so I can, you know, hone in on my craft. So no, definitely tap into bigger pockets and definitely tap in um, with Brandon and David Green. So for sure. I love it. And that, that Brandon Turner book you have behind you, do you mind uh, sharing the title of the book for people who might be interested? Let me get it. I mean, it's real it. Feel free. Feel free. Real property investing, man. Right here. This is uh, the book on real estate uh, Real estate investing. We've okay. got a few of these. If you join Bigger Pockets, and I ain't getting paid, but if you join Bigger Pockets, you know, they give out tons of discounts for being a pro member. I'm a pro member. So they give you discounts on these books. You get them 20% off. They got calculators on there to help you analyze your properties. All types of stuff. It's all types of information and content. And so that's why I say, like you said, go there because there's going to be tons of books and they got tons of podcasts. And it's just, it can get overwhelming on so much information that they provide. So now nah, if anybody's thinking about that, thinking about investing, you can reach out to me. Um, but yeah, you definitely can reach out to some of these other cats because yeah, they're definitely killing it in the game. They're going to give you lots of information for sure. I love it. And this may be a hard question to answer, but can you share in your opinion right now what part of the kansas city metro area is the best place to look for um you know some dope houses not particularly for investing but for first-time home buyers where where should be where should people be looking what what are good neighborhoods what are some good areas that got some quality new builds what are some good areas of town that people should be looking for their first home well, I mean, there's a few little hot spots. Yeah, that, that is a little tough question because, I mean, everybody's got their own preferences, where they want to stay and things like that. But obviously, as everybody knows, you know, Overland Park has obviously got a lot of nice homes, nice area, obviously out there in Kansas, you know, those areas, Overland Park, Leewood, obviously. Um, but on the Missouri side, we got some lovely homes as well, you know, in Lee Summit, Blue Springs, uh, where I live. Um, you know, Raymore, they got, they got some nice properties out there. Um, but no, I would recommend straight, you know, but Lee Summit, it's nice. Um, but, you know, obviously you're going to pay for the taxes. They say Lee Summit is like the Overland Park of Missouri. You know what I mean? Because the taxes are so high. But, you know, if you want to live in a nice area, you're going to pay for it at the end of the day, no matter where you're at. Um, but then obviously Blue Springs, because we got, you know, the good schools, good school district. Um, but, yeah, the other hot areas is near Cerner for investing. Cerner, it's hot, you know, because they brought in all that. The, the property value is just going up over there in that area. Obviously, Waldo, everybody knows the Waldo area is always nice and hot. You know, they can sell an empty lot over there for about 80 grand. I mean, it's it's crazy. So, I mean, yeah, Waldo is a very nice area as well. Um, but no, everybody's got their preferences. But I would just say go where the good schools are at. Uh, go where you feel comfortable at. You know? And speaking of that, you know, when you're having, you know, first-time home buyers call you, what are some questions that real estate agents should be asking first-time home buyers or uh, what, are, what are the questions they should be asking to really understand what their customer is looking for, what their client's looking for? What are some maybe one to one, two to three questions that are your go-to to ask and really get a good idea of what your customer might be looking for? Yeah, I always ask the, the same, same questions I do. I, okay, what exactly are you looking for? One, okay, what area are you looking in? You know, and then I always, of course, you always ask what's your budget. 
Um, and then, yeah, they're, they're going to tell you. And that's the thing. Once you ask those questions, they're going to tell you. They're going to lay it on the line for the most part. They're going to say, well, I'm looking for a three-bedroom, two-bath, and I don't want to – I don't want any um, – whatever. They're going to tell you. I got one that just told me last week. She said, I don't want any brown cabinets. I just don't want any brown cabinets. She just told me. So I'm like, okay. And so you ask, like, what features are you looking for in your home? Do you need a fenced-in backyard? You know, do you guys like entertainment? Do you guys need a deck? I mean, you know, but, yeah, you just – got to pick their brain to get out, you know, what they really want if they're not forthcoming and telling you. Um, but most of the time, if you ask those three questions, they're going to tell you. Um, but yeah, no, definitely pick their brains and get it out of them. And then once you start seeing a few homes with them, then you're going to get a very good idea too of what their taste is. And, and then you just take notes. Like, okay, I saw they didn't like that. Okay, they did like this. And then you can start sending them more of those properties. Um, but now I also tell my clients, you got to be open-minded, especially when it comes to your first home, because everybody knows when you get in your first home, your budget might not be where you want it to be, and you're not going to get that great lavish home that you want. But I always tell everybody that you most likely can get two out of three, you know, so if it's location, um, you know, you want the amount of bedrooms, you know, you, you probably can get that. But if you're like, well, I'm stuck on three bedrooms, I mean, three baths, you know, sometimes you might just have to do a three, two, you might not be able to get that third bath. Or you might not be able to get the fenced-in yard. Okay, you can just add that fence later. Um, but I tell everybody, look at the bones of the house. Um, see yourself in the home. A lot of times people see and they turn down homes over paint or they turn down homes over cabinets. And it's like, you know, you make the home yours. You know, you can always add some paint. You can always upgrade a, a countertop or some cabinets, you know. But, you know, to each his own. Some people want that move-in ready and they're ready to go. So I get it. Everybody's got their own preferences. So I just try to fill them out and I just try to be patient with them at the end of the day. I feel it. I feel it. And you've been around a lot of people in the real estate industry for the past few years. Would you say that you think there's a, some type of step formula for being a successful real estate agent or does it vary? Do you think there's some type of direct path to being a great agent? I don't know necessarily if there's a direct path um, per se, um, but I would just say being successful just means you have to be consistent. Um, and we all struggle with that. I struggle with that. But um, being consistent and just showing up, that is the main thing I think that you will be that will help you be successful. If you're coming to the office or going to the office every day and you're showing up and then while you're there, you're doing something, whether it's just making phone calls, sending emails, putting out content but make sure you're consistent. And when I first started out, I was the same way. I'm, I'm trying this, I'm trying that, and I'm doing this, and doing market research. And I realized that I wasn't being consistent with anything. And we've even had talks about it. It's like, no, I just got to be more consistent. And so that's what I've been doing these last two months, just trying to be more consistent and be more intent with what I'm doing. So um, I, I just say surround yourself with like-minded people that you can learn from pick their brains, take them to lunch, whatever you can, ask as many questions as possible and jump in and just show up, be active, be honest and, and take care of your clients. You know what I mean? And, and that's, that's it. At the end of the day, if you take care of people, they're going to give you a decent review and help you grow your business. Um, but yeah, you can't be doing people wrong out here because as you know, hey, word of mouth is everything. And, you know, if somebody starts saying some bad things, it's like, yeah, that's all it takes for you, you know, for your business to go down so yeah you just got to be patient you got to have integrity you know be patient and have integrity when you're out here um you know trying to help these sellers and buyers because you can run into some problems and you have to navigate these people through the problem because they're looking for you as the expert you're the professional and so they're going to come to you with, okay what do i do next or how do i navigate this and so you're going to have to answer the questions and you know and if you can't go to us another successful realtor in your office and say hey how do i handle this if you got a good office, they're going to help you. You know, everybody should be willing to help you. So that's what I recommend as, as a new agent. I would just recommend jumping in and whatever avenue you pick as far as marketing and branding yourself, just be consistent. Love and then it. It'll start, the dominoes are starting to fall. You know what I mean? Because like for me, when I first started, you know, like I said, I was all over the place, but here, you know, this year we're looking at, I'm about to double what I did last year. I mean, I've already doubled what I did last year. And so it, it shows growth, right? And like people look at it like, well, maybe he didn't sell that many, but if you're doubling what you did the last year, that's growth. And so for me, I'm just all about growth. And, um, you know, so that's me. I'm just trying to kind of learn as much as I can and keep growing. through I love that. 
And it's funny, I was talking to a mentor of mine the other day and he was talking about money as a doubles game. You know, all you want to do is every time you want to double what you got. So it's like, oh, I'm making a thousand a month right now. My new goal is to double that. Once you start doubling that, it's like, okay, now I want to double that. Or And the same thing goes in your savings. Okay, this month I'm going to shoot for $500. You know, in six months, I want to double that to $1,000. What do I need to do to do that? And then you put a plan of action. Or if it's investing, okay, I want to have $1,000 in my Roth IRA right now. Next year, I want to have 2000 and a year after that, I want to have 4000 and then putting the plan in action to be able to make that happen. And the same thing goes for you. Like you said, in real estate is like, okay, last year I sold 10 houses. This year, I want to sell 20 houses. Next year, I want to sell 40. Next year, I want to sell 80. So, yeah. you know, I love that. I love that. I also recommend too, though, uh, not to cut you off, but I just thought about it when you said that is you have to start learning how to delegate, you know, because we get so busy. Um, you know, you can be running around all day looking at properties or whatnot, and then you get home and you, or the office, you realize you got all this paperwork to do. And, you know, this year I added a transaction coordinator on the team. And so that's something that's helped me tremendously. And, you know, for the first year and a half, I was like, no, I don't want to pay a transaction coordinator and keep my, keep my money. I'll do the paperwork. Well, for me, I did it because I wanted to learn the paperwork for one. But for two, I'm like, no, I want to keep my money. Well, you don't realize how much that the opportunity cost of that time you're doing paperwork, things like that, to where so now that I hired her, I was just like, man, the light bulb went off. Like now I can go focus on my clients and focus on more deals as opposed to spending more time doing paperwork. Um, so, yeah, you got to learn how to delegate. And then every now and then you got to learn how to say no, too. Sometimes you got to say no. Um, but, yeah, man, definitely, definitely learn how to delegate as well. I love that. And speaking of bigger pockets, if you guys go look, I think it was maybe two episodes or three episodes ago on their podcast. I think they had half a podcast about delegation and and uh, that topic in general. So you guys should go check that out. Um, so if you were to take your phone out right now and look at it and you were to have to delete every app but three, what three apps would you keep? Woo, that's a good question. I got to pull it up. Let's see. You said what three would I keep? Yep. So you got to, if you had to keep three apps and delete everything else, what would be those three apps that you would keep and why? Oh, wow. Well, for me, one, I'm big on social media, um, you know, so I definitely would have to keep Facebook. I don't really get too big on it on my laptop and my computer. So I definitely would have to keep Facebook on there, of course. Um, but also, let me see, because, you know, when you get busy, you get tons of apps, man. So I got tons of apps on here. But um, no, I would also say I would have to, whew, obviously, I'm going to have to keep my showing time app for my showings and things like that, because I'm going to have to be updated on that as well. And then, um, mm, yeah, that's a very good question. I would say my digital business card, you know, this little app I got, my little digital business card, send it out, automatics, like, bam, here, you got all my information. It's easy when you're networking as well. You go out, bam, click, it's called DizBiz. Dot com. You go out there, folks, did this. You can set you up a digital business card. I love the app. I love just sending it out to people as well. Um, but no, that's a very good question as well, my man. And talking about podcasts, I've seen, you know, you've had a few real estate folks on here and I've seen you've been venturing out and um, you're talking about, you know, people to ask and reach out to. I just thought too that I saw you had, um, are you visited when it was Ryan George's uh, thing uh, investment thing and like yeah I've had conversations with him I've networked with him he's a good guy too as well he's killing it as well in the game out here. absolutely yeah Ryan's Ryan's a real one he's definitely a hustler good energy and he's real you know he keeps it real and raw and that's what I appreciate the most about you know people especially in the real estate industry is people who just keep it real and raw up front with you they're not trying to be anything different no fluff, um, you know, no fluff, straight no down fluff. to earth. You know what I mean? I'm a real one. I'm a, uh, you know, while we go look at houses, I'm gonna make you laugh as well, crack some jokes. You know what I mean? And and then try to educate you through the process as well, man. You know, what exactly. what I mean? you gotta have fun while you're working too. Uh, you gotta have mandatory, fun. mandatory, absolutely mandatory. So, final two questions: What are two to three companies that you really admire? They don't have to be specifically in in uh, in real estate, but if there's three companies that you can think of off the top of your head right now that you really admire, whether it's the their business model, whether it's the lead, the leadership in the company, or whether it's their product, what are three companies that you really love? Man, one is Amazon. Man, what he what he's done over there, man, and starting up his garage, um, the processes, um, you know what they do, and I love it. Uh, and I'm a lifetime member of Amazon, so definitely got to go with Amazon. You know that that would be number one. Um, uh, two more companies, man. There's so many out there that I like. Um, 
but I, I'm not the type to to really do too much with other companies and things like that. I try to stay focused on me, man, and, and what I can do with my systems and processes. But um, just off the top of my head, like I said, Amazon, um, shoot, man, that's a good one. Ooh, think about food. Think about food. Tech. Best Buy for tech. You know, got to go to Best Buy. I love Best Buy, man, you know, for tech. When you said food, oh, man, we in the heart of barbecue, baby. You know what I mean? So when we want to talk about that, you know, for me, it's like 239 or Gates all day long, man. Like, that's Hi, how may I help you? <laughs> <laughs> They're going to yell at you when you walk in the door, but they going to greet you. But you're going to get game with that, and you're going to get some And business. you're going to get what you're going to get, and you're going to get out. Yep. Hey, it's yeah. a good business model, I'll tell you. I tell you, but no, I love that. I love that. So my final question for you today, Mark, first and foremost, I want to say thank you for taking some time out of your evening today. I know you got kids. I know you got a family you want to spend time with. So thank you for taking some time out to kick it here on the culture talk show and, you know, conversate and chop it up about real estate. I really appreciate you. Um, the final question of the night is it's your last day on earth. You're 177 years old. Your great, great grandkids are sitting at your feet. And every book you've ever written, every video you've ever posted, every uh, social media post or blog you've ever written has to leave with you when you leave Earth. And it's your last day on Earth. And you got to leave your kids, your great, great grandkids with one piece of advice on how they should live life. What are you going to tell them? Faith, baby. Have faith, baby. That is it, man. Without faith, work is dead, man. So you got to have faith no matter what you're doing in life, work, whatever, being a business owner, entrepreneur, we always stepping out on faith. And, you know, sometimes we might not see the end, you know, in sight or think that there is no end in sight, but there always is. And so, yeah, you got to start with a plan until you can get to that end. But I would say keep faith, man. You know, you got to have faith, man. So I love it. My kids, make sure you got some faith, man. Mandatory, mandatory. Ladies and gentlemen, with that being said, that makes me want to say, go listen to some Nipsey Hustle before you go to sleep tonight. So make sure y'all go to listen to Nipsey. Make sure y'all go pray. If you are a prayer, if you're not a prayer prayer, then, you know, do whatever you got to do to uh, pick up your faith and whatever you believe in. So shout out to y'all. Um, Mark, before we hop off today, can you let the people know where they can find you on social media and how they can support you and your business? Yeah, man. I, first of all, like I said, thank you. I appreciate you having me on. I feel honored and blessed. I don't know if I, you know, can reach the status of some of your other clients you didn't have on here, because you do have some very dope guests. So yes, I feel honored and blessed to be here. So I appreciate you. Thank you, man. Um, but no, they can just look me up, man. Mark the KC Realtor. I'm on Instagram, um, Facebook, Mark Edwards, Mark the KC Realtor. You can look me up there. Um, you can always find me on there, man. I'm always trying to drop content. I've got a couple of Facebook groups on there as well, um, you know, that I can add you in as well. But yeah, I'm, I'm Mark the Kansas City Realtor. I'm on Twitter, everything, man. Instagram, I try to keep it the same, you know, with Brandon, as we say, try to keep it the same. But yeah, look me up, Mark the KC Realtor. You'll find me everywhere, man. I try to be out there as much as possible. And uh, yeah, you can always hit me up, shoot me a message, DM, shoot me an email, markedwards at remax.net. I love it. I love it. Ladies and gentlemen, that is the final word of the episode today. This is Kyle Stutzer, a.k.a. C-I-Z-Z-Y, the Culture Talk Show, signing out.